Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. We are back at it. The Solheim Cup just ended, so that's the obvious place to start. Uh, it was a super fun three days. Unfortunately, it wasn't that much drama on Sunday when Europe won the first three matches. It was pretty much mathematically impossible at that point for, for the U.S. To, to claw back, but I still think it was a great showcase for the game. Obviously, a terrific venue and a lot of awesome golf played, especially the first two days. Um, hats off to Europe. I know the U.S. are disappointed. Christina, you've played in some Solheim Cups. Um, I know you, you are, you're a patriotic girl, but what, what's your take on what we just saw? Dang. Okay. Uh, full <laughs> disclosure, it is Monday. It is Labor Day, so the final putt or excuse me, the deciding putt for Europe to retain the cup dropped about half an hour ago. I thought we were going to go on a, a little bit of Patty Ice in his last couple of weeks. But yeah, you can just go ahead and just bury the dagger, if you will. Um, <laughs> I mean, I... it is what it is. <laughs> like, you can't, Oh, of course. You can't oh, sugarcoat it. The course. U.S. got their butt kicked. It just happened. There was some unbelievable golf that was played there is no question um i i think it's been very interesting paying attention to social media where you get uh, you know, i i would never call anybody a rando because just because i don't know them does not necessarily mean that they're a random person but all of these fucking randos that were like <laughs> who is this leona mcguire and i'm like girl like do you you your your lack of knowledge of women's golf is highly apparent. She has been an absolute rock star since she was twelve years old, um, as well as her twin sister Lisa. And yeah, I mean, I remember I played Leona McGuire in the match play over at Shadow Creek for the Bank of Hope um, match play, and that was that was it was an impressive thing to watch. Uh, watching her play and it was extra sweet being able to beat her because I knew she was going to be on the team and chances were slim to none that I would be on the team. So I was like, okay, well I got some match play against a European under my belt this year. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, no, if, it was, if it someone was doesn't know Leona McGuire at this point, they're not really a golf fan. It's the same with, with, all the women playing in the Solheim cup, like there's never been so much attention and exposure around women's golf. Now it's true that you guys do get hosed on the broadcast windows at some times, but on social media and any platform you can think of, people are in love with women's golf. Like my feed, which is obviously not representative of the real world, but I would say it was 10 to one, the amount of tweets and interest Solheim cup versus the tour championship. Like, so if someone comes at you and they're like, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really revealing that they're just not an actual golf fan at this point, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you have to watch only women's golf, but it's just part of being a fan these days, the big events, you guys are playing awesome major championship venues. You've got all these, these really charismatic stars. Like, uh, so I have no tolerance for it's to me, it's not even women's golf. It's just golf. Are you a golf fan? Then you're going to follow some of these events and it's just that simple. So anyway, sorry. That's my, that's my little diatribe. Oh no, you go off. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I trust me. I am right up there with you. It just, it's something that I find so comical because, um, there's just, there's so much amazing golf being played on, on both the men's and women's side. And I had actually spoken to a, a handful of friends yesterday and I said that, the cup will be determined with the Matilda Castor and Lizette Salas match because you, I mean, I still have chills right now. I mean, I've got goosebumps on my legs. Just, um, just knowing you've got two putting geniuses going up against one another. And it was, that was where the match was going. That was where the cup was going to be determined right there to be honest, um, because that it's, you know, right in that at that point in the match where it's, you know, it's a tipping point one way or another. But that was that was it. And and the fact that, um, you know, Mikey Patterson, who caddied for Kari Reb for gosh, was it was it 20 years, 18 years yeah, they worked forever. together. He was on the bag um, for Suzanne Pedersen when she won the winning putt 
in the last Solheim Cup, right immediately before her announcement of of stepping away from playing. Um, Ultimate you know, baller there was move. Just something. Like, yeah, I mean, there's just something so electric, though, because you had Lizette with John Colleen, who has been, I don't know if he's ever missed the Solheim Cup, to be honest. He was on my bag in Ireland when we played at Colleen Castle, going up against, um, you know, again, a putting genius and an absolute star in Matilda Castron from Finland and Mikey Patterson on the bag. It was just, that was, that was the most intriguing match for me of, I mean, quite frankly, all three days. You know, it's so funny. I've been hearing this. I mean, my first Ryder Cup was in 97 over in Spain, and I swear I've heard it at every biennial competition. Like, whichever team wins, they always, it always just says, oh, they just made more putts than us. And, and you know, that's what the losing team says. And to me, it's a little bit of a cop-out because it's not like they got lucky and made the putts. you got to actually put a good stroke on it and make the putts. But it did seem like Europe made a lot more putts. And was it me or was the U.S. like not getting the ball to the hole at some crucial moments? I'm pretty sure I screamed that out about eight or nine times in the singles <laughs> matches alone. Um, and, and obviously, I mean, I, I feel like I'm very conflicted because I feel like such a backseat driver at this point because clearly if I had gotten more balls to go in the hole, I would be on that team. Um, I just remember like one of the few things that I – um, learned early on when it came to match play when I was a kid, one of the many things that my dad sort of drilled into me was you're not going to, you, you got to get it to the hole, you know? And, and one thing that my boyfriend Duncan had told me years ago when Henrik Stenson won at East Lake was, he was like, one thing I've noticed, cause he's, you know, he's caddied on the LPJ tour for God going on, you know, over 10 years now. He's like, the reason why the scores are lower for the men in all honesty is, is because they get the ball to the hole. Like they very rarely leave it short. And when you do, it's something that sticks in your mind. Cause you're like, Oh my God, that dude left it short. <laughs> yeah. And then this year, Todd had been playing and he's, I think he still will, um, you know, is playing a little game whenever we're, you know, out on the course. Cause there's only so much that you can do if you're not the one actually striking the ball yourself. And the last few tournaments, he'd been keeping track of um, all of the putts left short in my group. And I, I think the last couple of rounds, yes, I did miss the cut. However, the last couple of rounds, I didn't leave a single putt short which was something that I'd been really wanting to work on. And, um, yeah, I, I, again, I mean, the thing is, you know, it, it's easy to sit here and say that when, yeah, but you it's know, true. Like, say, in your shoes, because yes, it is true. That being said, you know, because I have the experience of having competed in, in three Solheim cups, three and O in singles. Thank you. Um, you know, you, you realize how sometimes paralyzing it can be to, even set up to a golf ball and I relish in that kind of an atmosphere. I love having, you know, it, it, it's not us versus them necessarily, but it is head to head and it really truly gets you and forces you to truly be in the moment. So it's one of those things where I'm just like, man, like that it's, you know, and, and the Eve before the first match, like the, the LPGA and the LET, they come together and have a group meeting with all 24 competitors and all 24 caddies. You know, it's the same thing of like, okay, these are the rules of match play. You can't do this. Um, they did fail to mention the whole Sagstrom thing prior to the matches. And I, they had never said that to us before either. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I want to like go back to the team room afterwards and be like, also get it to the hole. Because, yeah, let's say if you miss it you know what the bitch is doing on the way back you know and you gave it a chance yeah. yogi berra you know the great philosopher of that is yogi berra said 99 percent of the putts left short don't go in my clinical data does prove it to be a little bit higher of a percentage <laughs> um but that's one of those that's one of the things and and when you make putts and you don't dribble putts in not that not that a lot of the putts that were made were dribbled in but when you make putts with authority that's that's like um you know, being on serve in tennis because it's this subconscious thing that both you and your competitor are aware of. It was like, oh shit, she's not thinking like, oh, please go in the hole. She's like, this is going in. You have to work your ass off to even have a chance at beating me. Yeah, no, it's true. And 
similarly, I mean, the U.S. seems like they, they were just never winning the 18th hole when it mattered. And How many matches went to 18? That is so much golf. Oh, my God. I know. And it's it's kind of like it's, – it's hard to say exactly why. It just becomes a momentum thing, becomes metaphysical. I don't know. But that was really different. It just felt like – U.S. was leaving a lot of important putts short, and they couldn't get it done on 18. And in a in a closely contested match against two really good teams, like it doesn't take much, you know. Uh, so, um, you know, I don't have a strong rooting interest. Like when it comes to these international events, I'm, I'm a neutral observer. I'm not traveling on any passport. And so, it's not, Jordan Spieth said, once said to me, "You're American, aren't you?" I said, not this week. I mean, I'm, I'm just there to write about what happens. And, you know, I was at a writer. You're Cup, a said Martian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'm really, really what I'm rooting for is a very, you just want to come down to the last match, be super tense, emotional. And we, we didn't get Bitch, that. What? No, you want it to be swept. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. I'm not. I, that, that, One way or the other, like I, no, either that's the you, worst. you want to sweep or just chop the limb off. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. If, if you're playing on the team, sure. But so it's, I'm always a little, you know, heavy hearted when you get these, because let's face it, these are precious. I mean, um, we've been, we've had, some of these cups postponed because of nine eleven, because of COVID, you know, things mm-hmm. are like, we only get them every two years at best. Although of course we'll, have, we'll get an LPGA one next year or women's um, Solheim cup. So uh, just to get reshuffled the, the schedule, but um, it's like, you just want them to be incredibly memorable and, um, and come down to the very last match. We didn't get that this time around, but it was, you know, especially the first two days. I mean, the the action was pretty fast and furious. And um, you know, all credit to Team Europe. It, it it's just one of those things. Like and this has been talked about so many times. And of course, now we turn our attention to the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits, and it's in two weeks. I'll be there, which I'm excited about. And what is it about the cultural differences or whatever, where it just feels like, especially on the men's side, but even felt like this this time around, there just seemed a little more cohesion with the European players and, um, you know, no disrespect to the, to the U S of a, but, um, I feel like that, you know, that, that ruling kind of took some of Nelly's fire away. Um, just the, the residual kind of emotional backlash of it. Um, I don't know. I, I just felt like, like Europe had just more fire in them this time around. And, it, it's probably a preview of what we're going to see at Whistling Straits where the U.S. has all these weird team dynamics and, and Europe's just going to come in and do what they always do, which is have great great chemistry and great cheer, and they're going to they're probably going to steal another one. Like It's like deja vu all over again. To, uh, is that Yogi Berra? But anyway, so I don't know. I, I just feel like I've seen this probably. movie so many times, and um, I, I, it's hard to exactly make sense of it. What is your take on, on all of that, you know, the chemistry issue, which – always hangs over these cups. Well, I think there's a myriad variables involved in this. You get the continent of Europe, which in it, you know, is is comparable in size, let's say, to the whole of the United States, and you have all of these national teams. You've got the Swedish national team, obviously the the British national team, Germany, Italy, all all of these countries have their own national team. So these kids, which are now fully grown adults, have had years of being on a team more so than we generally do as Americans. I remember we had, it was like the USA, it was like the America's Cup or something like that. And we had four, uh, maybe as many as six girls representing California. Um, And that was the first real team thing that I had ever done. But there was no like home base. Like there was no national um, like league of coaches, if you will. There's no national team trainers there's no you know none of this none of that and and obviously it's hard to do that when you've got 50 states in comparison to all of the countries that are going to be represented in the Solheim Ryder President's Cup and on top of that America is so obsessed with stroke play we don't play match play enough yeah for sure that's a huge component of it because 
you know, a lot of times in, you know, as an American, your, your thoughts are oftentimes, not always, obviously. And of course we have the, the USGA championships and the, the junior AMs, the amateurs, the senior AMs, mid AMs, things like that, Curtis cup, Walker cup. Um, but one reason why they're so precious to us is because they are so far and few between. And so I think that, there's a lot to be said about practicing more match play. There's a lot to be said about practicing foursomes more often. I think that there's more, and, and obviously, I mean, there are certain comparisons between the European tour and the PGA, um, along with the ladies European tour and the LPGA, because like the, the, the European tour, they, they, they occasionally play for stupid money. But because they're not always playing for stupid money in the same way that the L.E.T. does not play for the money that we play for on the LPGA Tour, like you, you have to find ways to get along. You have to have that sense of camaraderie. You have to be able to say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, obviously we don't do it nearly as much on the LPGA Tour, but it's like, you know, oh, you know, I found a flight for this amount. Um, and so you'll text, you know, a bunch of your buddies and then you guys can sort of caravan together as opposed yeah. to being like, oh, yeah, um, yeah like I, I've got room on my uh, private jet and yeah, actually, you and your entire family and your nanny can hop on with me. You know, this is more the the, the men's tour than than the <laughs> yeah, ladies' tour. Sure. Um, you know, so it's it's a lot it's a lot more. There's a lot more just togetherness as well. And you know, on, on the on the on the men's side, at least, you know, you look at the state in the states, and you got the whole you got the whole dang family coming out, like you know, like kids and all. You know, in, in some of these weeks, not all of them, obviously, um, but you've got it, it's 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 a lot more of a solitary journey in a lot of ways yeah. than it is in Europe. And you know, one on thing, top of that, oh, go, go for it. Sorry. Oh, we'll just talk about the no, national, the national teams. I mean, if we can agree that Paul Azinger was probably the um, most innovative and successful U S captain, when you talk about the Ryder cup this century, I mean, his whole thing, you know, the pod system, he, I mean, he said to me, I was just trying to replicate what Europe has naturally. You know, they, they are broken mm -hmm. into these, these small, intense groups. The Spaniards, they came up together. They play practice rounds together. They eat together. Like, they're a little unit. Same with the English bloke. Same with the, the Swedes. And they have these natural, this natural affinity because these guys have all come up together, like you're saying, playing for the national teams. And they're bonded in a lot of different ways, by language, by cuisine, by style of play, by shared coaches. And... You know, you know you, the U.S. is the land of the rugged individual, right? You know, and so it play it plays out in the Ryder Cup, and um, you know we're and maybe a little bit in the Solheim Cup as well, where it's like we the U.S. team kind of shows up and they're trying to build that chemistry and that camaraderie, and the European side is it's just it's almost like they've they've had it since birth as far as golfers go, you know they they and so there is a, a structural issue there and as you say you know there's there's very little match play in, in this country i guess the ncaa change has maybe helped in some regards introduce it in a competitive environment at a, at a younger age but um yeah it's just slightly younger i mean you've got kids in europe that are playing match play at nine years old you know eight years yeah. old like they 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 learn they learn the nuances of match play and and things like that and and on top of that like you know it's it's for the most part, like there is probably at least half of the team on the European side that you know are givens. And I feel like there's, it's a little, like it's a bit more cutthroat, especially when it comes to those last, you know, four spots on the team on, on both in America and the U.S. And, and because, like you said, we're the rugged individuals, you know, you, 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 you sometimes don't necessarily feel like wanting to share or wanting to open up or want it, you know, and then it's like, Oh, okay, well, 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 we both made the team. So yeah, now we can, now we can do this and now we can do that. It's like, no, nah, dude, like we just got to celebrate. If someone beats you outright, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta tip your hat to them. You gotta say congratulations and, and want to, um, you know, do everything you can to, to help the other side, which uh, full disclosure, the girls are all great at doing. Yeah. Um, there, it's nowhere near as, as seemingly anyway, contentious as the men's team can be. Um, well, I'm, I'm hoping that, and you know, no offense to book Kepka, I'm hoping that his wrist injury 
knocks him out of the Ryder Cup. I think that even though he's a great player, obviously, um, I think that would help the U.S. team because it takes away that whole weirdness of Bryson, and that's just going to be a huge subtext to that week. And beyond that, it's hard to come together as a team when one guy thinks he's like too cool for school. And that was part of Tiger's thing early in his career is he he want he'd you know he spent fifty one or I guess one hundred and three weeks in between cups like being different and setting himself apart and, and building this aura and this uh, and then he didn't want to give that up for that one week and that's why he struggled you know so much in the Ryder Cup comparatively to stroke play and I think Kepka has un- unconsciously kind of absorbed some of that vibe and so I just think he's a buzzkill to have around the team and uh, it would actually be helpful I was hoping one of them would 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 somehow fall out of the Ryder Cup situation you know Kepka hitting a tree root may have, may have done that. Cause it actually, I think gives the U S a chance, even though you're, you know, you're going to miss his firepower as, as a golfer, but, um, they, they, they can bring on another guy who can make birdies, but I think it, it looms large from a, a chemistry standpoint and just reduces a lot of the weirdness. I mean, there's just so much weirdness around this U S team with, with Bryce. It's very strange. And Brooks and then Patrick Reed and his, you know, his pneumonia and all that and uh, his feuds with, with uh, Spieth and with, with JT. And it's just like, God, the, the entire generation of U.S. Ryder Cup teams is like going to get poisoned. You know, Brooks and, and Dustin may have gotten in a fist fight at the last Ryder Cup. Like, it's just the whole thing is such an eye roll. Like, you're supposed to be representing the flag. You can't even bother to show up to the Olympics. The one thing you could do is like come strong at the Ryder Cup. They can't even do that. I mean, and you know these are the guys who love to to wave the flag and have they have the wounded warriors on their bags and stuff. But when you actually ask them to make a sacrifice for their country by not being a dick and by having some team spirit and going a little above and beyond to help the U.S. win, like they can't do it. So I find the irony rich on that one. I mean, that falls down into one word, and it's ego. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's ego. And, and it, again, I'm going to sit there and say they, they, I mean, obviously there's a huge disparity in, in the, the pay between the men and the women. And I think it does need to, um, you know, the, that gap doesn't need to be so wide. The guys get paid way too much money. They get paid way too much money, if you ask me. And it's just, there's just so much ego. And again, going with the, you know, the low, the, yeah, I mean, they, they, and truth be told, as we, as we all should in our own way, we all love the country we were born in. We, we all love the, the nations that we call home. But they, I mean, they, they, they're like the lone ball eagle. You know what I mean? Is 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 kind of how they look about look yeah. upon it, and it's just like, nah, dude. We're just the best thing that you could do is just be a fistful of cash with different denominations. Like, just don't don't go on your own. Like, everybody needs, and then that's something that I feel like I've noticed over the years, just in general, with the the progression of of professional golf, is people sometimes forget everybody needs help. At some point, and everybody has received help at some point in their career, and and that's one reason why people always say when someone makes it big is like, hey, don't forget the little guys. It's like, you know, don't forget like I I you know like Billy Madison did. I pissed my pants after you pissed your pants in in the third <laughs> grade or whatever it was. You know, like like everybody everybody's been vulnerable and needed help, and it's so important to remember that. And and it's. Money can contain things in that way, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right, this is a perfect segue if we're talking about the gross excess of of the PGA Tour. Um, so patty ice. The, the, yeah, patty ice. I I actually I have a buddy of mine who is good friends with Cantley, and we were talking about like, holy cow, blah blah. We were just on text, and I said, by the way, if you ever utter the words, Patty Ice, our friendship is over. You didn't know that, Christina, so we're going to grandfather that one in, but just tread lightly is all I'm saying. But, um, yeah, but he seems like the kind of guy that he seems like the kind of guy that would drink Natty Light. So I'm like, ah, Natty Light, Patty Ice, I like that. I can, <laughs> I can, I can kind of, yeah. I can go with that. Yeah. So, yeah, all praise to Patrick Cantley. I mean, four wins. 
what what he's done the last couple of weeks has been spectacular stuff, and you love to see it for a guy who is number one amateur in the world. And I think most folks know his story now with horrible back injury sidelined him for a year plus, mm-hmm. and tragedy of losing his best friend. You know, basically died in his arms, kind of thing. Like it, yeah, it has not been an easy road, and everyone loves those those comeback stories, and it, it's it's been awesome to to see him mature as a player, but also uh, let people into his personality because he's a very smart guy. I mean, obviously he went to UCLA. He's like brilliant. Said. And, um, but you know, he was always so introverted and, or maybe just gun shy. I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, but he just like a lot of players, you know, I think they feel like they're, they have to follow this script and they can't be themselves uh, because that's, it's dangerous. You might say the wrong thing. And, you know, it's like, give me a break. I mean, all, all sports fans and, you know, reporters want is authenticity. And so, uh, for Cantlay to let people into, into his, into his brain a little bit. I mean, some of his, his answers have been so thoughtful and interesting and he's a pretty fun loving guy. And, uh, so anyway, it's, it's, it's been neat to see his emergence. I, I was interested in, you know, everyone hates the tour championship. Um, as far as the staggered start on this, on the leaderboard, I actually like it. I have to say by the second day, it's just a regular golf tournament. It makes sense. And you don't have to think about points and projections. And it's just, it's just right there. One guy's 11 under another nine under. And that's just how it goes. And all this talk about, Oh, you know, John Rom tied for low gross. It's like John Rom knew exactly what he had to do coming down uh, the last round and the last nine holes. And he just didn't quite get it done. And he, you know, no shame in that. The guy pretty much played great, but it was, his mandate was clear. He had to beat Patrick Cantley and he couldn't do it. Um, and so, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a perfect system by any means. I mean, the obvious flaw is if, uh, the guy at the top of the leaderboard gets off to a hot start, then he knocks out 25 guys who are just too far back. And that's kind of what Cantley did. I mean, by, by the third round, it was, it was obviously going to be a two horse race. Um, so it's not a perfect scenario, but it's way better than points and projections. And one guy wins a tournament, but loses the FedEx cup. And we went down that road a bunch of times. So, um, as the traditionalist in me thinks it's ridiculous, but from, from just simplicity, um, it makes no, and if, in the, the lead up to it, it's like gross. And on day one, when they start, it's, it's weird. By the time they get the second round, I just accept it. I just go with it because it is what it is. <laughs> it's like, it's it's, uh, but what, what's, what's your take on it, CK? Well, so going back to the beginning of this segment, I, I, I don't know. I think part of it is because of knowing Patrick's, um, you know, his, his life story and his trajectory and everything. I just always kind of looked at him. He's got this mysterious aura about him. He's, you know, dark hair, dark eyed, like just the, this, this stoic, like he's just, there's just this badassery about it, which I love. And knowing everything, not everything, God, I don't know a damn thing, but knowing what little I do know of his, um, like, you know, golfing careers from when he was an amateur to now, I was always like, I was just amazed that he had been able to come back one from an injury and then two from the tragic death of his best friend, um, whom, like you had said, had died in his arms basically. And so for me, I was always like, I don't know if I was giving him a pass necessarily, but I was like, dude, if I went through that same kind of shit, Lord only knows what I would be like, you know, whether it's emotionally, whether it is, um, you know, how I, I speak to others, you know, obviously someone that close to you passing away is going to have such a major impact on you. And I feel like maybe you are going to be guarded. I never personally, he's the kind of guy that I, I look at him and I say, you're authentic. You are who you are. There is no bullshit or anything like that where, you know, I look at a number of these guys and it's all about branding and image and all of this bullshit. I'm like, nah, dude, like Patrick, he do what he want. Mm -hmm. And I am so down for that. I respect that so much because he's just true to himself. And, 
you know, I don't know if now he's at a point where, you know, I mean, obviously he's like, you know, $17 million richer in the last two weeks. And you're not even talking about bonuses from sponsors, but he's at a point now where he's like, you know, okay, like maybe, maybe it is going to be okay for me to open up to, to the general public a little bit, who knows, you know, and, and maybe he was, I wouldn't say the word scared, but you know, when you've gone through a tragedy, like the way he did, like completely understandable, um, as an outsider looking in of being like, you don't have to share shit. You're here. Like for me, that was more than enough. Mm. And to anyone that thought maybe he wasn't very smart or, or would be thoughtful. Like, you know, I'm just like, dude, like, look at the guy, like, obviously the way he carries himself, the way he, um, you know, plots his way on the golf course. Like the, you can see the intelligence in his eyes and yes, I do have a slight crush on him and I have for, for quite a while, but <laughs> you know, it's like, again, he's authentic. Like he never tries to like, imagine if, you know, like, like, like take Ricky Fowler, like he's, he, he loves orange. He wears orange and he's got the personality to get away with wearing some of stuff he's worn, you know, like it's one of those things of it's like, you know, you, it's not what you wear, it's how you wear it. And he wears it, you know, mostly well, some of the cuts I'm a little, you know, I, don't know, I feel like they could, you know, work on being a little bit more a little tailoring. Know, accentuating of, of body. Yeah, yeah. A little tailoring, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean like Patrick, he always seems like he's been very comfortable in his skin and that's something that, you don't see a hundred percent of the time when you're watching golf, like you sit there and you're just like, man, like, okay. Like, yeah, that guy, he gives a shit like about what people think of him. He gives a shit about what, you know, some schmuck in his basement is going to say on his Cheeto dusted keyboard or whatever. And, and, and that's okay too. (laughs) Like that is okay. Like I'm not here to judge those people. It's just like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, hopefully they get to a point in their journey where they no longer care. And I think that would be amazing. And if they, if it takes them a long time, take as much time as you need, girl. Like just understand that there's, there's going to be times where that's not going to necessarily be at your benefit. Does Cali even have a social media presence? I can't think of I mean, I can't. Oh, I follow him on Instagram for sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I, but I, he's I not believe like, he does have a Twitter. He, he's I not mean, prolific he, at no, it. No, not prolific at all. And, no. um, you know, he's, he's, he said himself though. He's not like, he's not about that life. No. Which again, I'm just like, oh my God, like that's so like old school. I'm like, oh, swoon. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, even, you know, he's got like the classic Jupiter looking girlfriend running out onto the last green to give him hugs and kisses and whatever she's a pharmacist i mean like she's got some she's like solid she's got like a real nine to five i mean that's cool too yeah um, she's I'm, not a rope hoper yeah exactly I, I i was chatting her up at the uh the masters like she's a very bright person so um yeah it's interesting i yeah i'll praise to patrick cantley and i i love the way you know he's not monster long but he just hits it flush like i remember seeing a stat mm-hmm. a couple of years ago uh he was like I don't know, 80th in um, club head speed, but 15th or something in, in distance, like basically because he hits it dead center every time. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there it was, it was almost a statistical anomaly because he's just catching the sweet spot every single time. And Yeah, uh, which adds to my crush. Yeah, right. I'm, yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, Sorry. And then secondly... Real quick about the FedEx Cup. Oh yeah, the format. Yeah, the what are your tour championship. Um, I I find it, and and I'm not trying to bash by any means. No bash. Go I mean, ahead. There's, it's there's fun. so many. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> me being a bitch or anything. But it's just like I sit here and I'm just like, well, you know, yeah, it's a drive, chip, and putt tour. Like ha ha ha, because of where we have gotten, um, you know, the point by way of our equipment of you know, I mean, the ball the golf ball ends up so far away from people now. So a lot of these courses, a lot of these classic, amazing golf courses become obsolete. So to, to a small extent, I'm like, I mean, it's, you know, you look at most, you know, golf clubs and their, their, their biggest event is the club championship. And, you know, it's, Aside from like say the open flight, yeah, it's handicapped. So that's kind of like following along in the same lines in that regard. You yeah, know, it's, true. it's it's not again. It, it, 
this truly isn't bashing. I'm just like, it's, it's different. It gets people to talk. And like mm-hmm. you said, you don't care about that by the, you know, coming down the stretch of the final 27 holes, especially when you come to the realization of, holy fuck, there's a $10 million difference between first and second. Like that, it's exciting, period. You know, so, um, and yeah, I mean, it's a culmination, like the, 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 I can't call it a handicap, but the, the, the cushion that you get is, you know, going to be indicative of the hard work that you put in throughout the entire year. It's, it's you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Like it's, 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 um, you know, and, and it does prove to an extent that, you know, you work your ass off, you do all the right things. And, you know, as long as, you know, things come your way and you get the ball to the whole Christ alive, like, yeah, there, <laughs> there, there will be a reward at the end of the tunnel. So give yeah. it your all, do your best and do good and get it to the hole. I mean, all right. So now what added a little spice to the shootout on Sunday is there was a feeling that they, that Cantlay and John Rom were possibly you know, we're playing for player of the year award as well. And it's, it's interesting. You have to, there's all these caveats. So, you know, I get a vote in the golf riders association. Um, we do our own player of the year. It's separate from the tours and it's just a calendar year. So it's for, it's for 2021. Now the tour, they're counting the wraparound. So, you know, they're when, uh, Cantley won in Japan, you know, or won the, what would have been Japan. He won the Zozo in um, the fall of 2020, but they count it for this season. So that gives him a fourth win. Um, so he, he's got four wins and the FedEx Cup. You know, Rom has one win. Now, obviously, it was monumental going birdie birdie to steal the U.S. Open. Like that, we all know that counts for a steal. lot. Still. Um, it's his only win. Now people want to give him credit for Memorial. Oh, you know, he would have won that. He was leading by six. Well, plenty of guys have coughed up a six shot lead for starters. Secondly, if he just gotten vaccinated sooner, he wouldn't, he would not have gotten bounced out with the COVID protocols quite possibly. So, um, you know, there is that, like, it's sort of a, a self, it's an own goal, right? Like, um, he, he possibly would not have gotten COVID if he'd gotten the vaccine sooner. You know, he said he, he just was busy and, had a baby and he just hadn't gotten around to it it's like well okay so he didn't win the memorial patrick Cantley did and then you know there's there's all these revisionist historians who want to give him credit for winning the tour championship because he was you know the raw score is not not counting the staggered start he would have tied for the lowest score but you know what Ron well, yeah, knew- but he tied Kevin Na, so do a back nine scorecard count. <laughs> yeah, so some some folks are like, oh, Rom gets had three wins, you know, Memorial Tour Championship, and the U.S. Open is like, ah, I think he has one win. I think history will show he only won the U.S. Open, and so um, clearly he played at an exceptionally high level uh, all year long. I mean, the stats show that whether it's strokes gained or scoring average. Uh, you know, he, yeah, but isn't Patrick Cantley leading in scoring average and scrambling? I think he, he, he in scrambling, yes. I'm pretty sure Rom won the scoring title, but um, nevertheless, w- when it came down to it, the back nine at East Lake was an absolute shootout, and and Cantley he got it done, and, and Rom didn't, and that that's compelling to me. And you know, for all of Rom's consistency, and he was on the leaderboard constantly all year long. He only did get the one W and that that's a big stat. Like, you know, wins is more important to me than strokes gained, right? Like win wins are wins. That's ultimately how we measure these things. When we're talking about a place in history, you know, I mean, does anyone know how many like scoring titles Jack Nicholas had? I'm sure it was a bunch, but no one can quote that figure. Um, you know, it's the wins, the wins, are what we remember. And so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to cast a vote. Um, and if we could even bring in, obviously, we're not even talking about Colin Morikawa, who won in a major and a WGC. I mean, he's got more wins in ROM, and he petered out in the playoffs, so it's, it, it takes a little starch out of it. You know, again, the playoffs by themselves don't mean that much, but in a super tight player of the year race, like you, you want to run through the tape. And Morikawa, I know he's had some, you know, some nagging injury things, but he just kind of disappeared. So. I don't know. I you think... also failed to mention John Rom being number one in the world at the moment as well. For that sure. Is, 
Yeah. And that, that is another thing that would go, you know, tip it into his bucket in that regard. I, I yeah, but I would here... say that's its own reward. Your reward is your number one. And that's the same, you know, the strokes gained and that stuff. Yeah. But so would you won the FedEx tour championship. But yeah. I mean, you, you yeah. can sit here and say all these things. You won the U S open. Okay. Well, he won three other tournaments. Like, yeah. okay, well, you know, I, the way that I see it, um, I think, I, and so, huh. I'm not so even saying is, I'm. A, I'm not even saying that for sure. I'm going to vote for Cantley. I might in the end right, right, vote right, right. for Rom, but I think it's it's a very interesting debate that's worth having, and folks who just want to give it to Rom because you know he got screwed at Memorial, and it's like yeah, you know that was self inflicted. Yeah, it's a little more. I'm nuanced. sorry. So um, no, well, I just sit here though, and I'm just like <laughs> you. Not that you guys don't deserve a vote. I just find it comical being a member of the LPGA tour that when it comes to the hall of fame and player of the year that it's even on a vote system, like ours are just like, no, it's just simple metrics. Like, player yeah, but, but of the look year at the flaws of this. Look at the flaw then, in that. Like, oh, it's definitely, I'm not saying it's not flawed. It's just one of those things that is like so far removed from what I've, I've always known that yeah. I'm just like, I, you know, so if for me to wrap my head around it is, is a little bit, it, it, I need a hot second to wrap my head around <laughs> this is, yeah. is what well, I'm getting at. For sure. But like, you, you know, the players have their own agenda and part of it is a popularity contest. Part of it is, you know, a loyalty to the tour where they, they put more weight on the Players' Championship and the FedEx Cup and even less on the majors because it's like some the rank and file are trying to support the tour enriching them. And so in some ways, the riders are more pure because we don't get sucked into that. We can look at the facts objectively, but uh, of course... I'm just saying anyone getting a vote in and of itself, period, yeah. is just mind boggling to me. Just in general. I, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying you guys don't deserve to because you, like you said, you get to look at it from a different lens and yeah. oftentimes you're not necessarily going hopefully you're not going to be going based off of your feelings and things like that. It's just, you know, there's always gonna be a little bit of that when it comes to casting a vote as opposed to being like, Oh shit, we just go based off of like what your numbers say. Like we don't care if nobody likes you, you're going to get it. Or, you know, so that's, that's the only thing. Or, or, you know, like, like for me, one of my big things is how in the hell Laura Davies is not in the LPGA hall of fame is beyond me. Yeah, It's it's simply because the metric, that's all it is. Um, But I, I, uh, do the players cast their vote before or after the Ryder cup? Um, that's another like these yeah, are all it's I mean it gets, it's basically like an electronic thing. I think they they email them the ballots. I'm I'm sure they went out now because they want to announce it. I don't think the Ryder Cup theoretically is not a factor in it. Um just like At, oh, if it's a vote, you're fucking right it is. Well, so it's not for the if tour. If Rom ends up winning the, the hitting the winning putt on the European right. side. Well, that's what I'm saying. They ain't gonna get any votes from the American players, you know. Like, <laughs> but you would get more votes from the writers because that would be the totality of his year. So that's that's realistically why... is it what is it split fifty fifty in that sense? You really think that they're gonna play it the same? Like you know, I because again, I I'm just sitting here and thinking, you know, what deep in the you know, in the, in deep in the building, like how they, you know, do this and that, whatever. I, again, I don't know. That yeah. being said, I will also say everyone always says, and it is true because obviously he's number one in the world that yes, John Rahm is always up on the leaderboard, but he's always, a, he's always one of the featured groups. Patrick is not necessarily always one of the featured groups, but you look at his season and he obviously has had a phenomenal season as well. It's like just because you're not, you know, seeing his name or seeing his face with every single swing that he takes doesn't mean that he hasn't had a phenomenal year in in, in his own right. He what was it like 17 top 25s and 23 starts or something like that. And, yeah. you know, and, and again, because he had not the 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 spotlight wasn't thrust on him, you know, because he's. Patrick Cantley, he's an amazing player. He obviously has an amazing story. He's Patrick Cantley. Like he and he had said as much when he and Xander Shoffley were were partners at the Zurich Classic. You know, they're like, we're not gonna win the PIP. Like, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like now all of a sudden it's like I wonder where he sits on those rankings now. And that's through no fault of his own, whether he was or wasn't ever in contention for the PIP. He was you know, 
it, it's sort of like a Cinderella story to me, or yeah. maybe not Cinderella, but kind of like a, you know, like the uh, never, uh, not never been kissed, but <laughs> you know, I don't know. She's all that or some shit, you know, stupid bullshit man, like that. Like going way you back. Know, this is the time machine here. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like he was, he was, you know, those of us that are allowed to be selective with the people that we continuously follow are aware of how amazing his season is without having to, um, you know, I don't even know how to say it. Like, you know, I was, I was free to, you know, go on the PJ tour app and star the people that I wanted to follow. And I don't necessarily have to sit there and say, I'm going to star the dude that gained 40 pounds of water weight, or I don't have to star the dude that, you know, is beefing with four other Americans or whatever. I'm just like, Ooh, I like him because I like the way he plays. I like him because of the way that he carries himself. I like him because I like the way that he puts, you know? And so I'm in a different realm in that sense altogether as well. Um, so I think it's very compelling for both sides. I, I, I need to do a little bit more research and, and I would, you know, in a couple of weeks time, I could probably give you, you know, a, a more thoughtful idea of who I would, um, vote for player of the year. And right now it's Patrick in my eyes. Well, and, and, and you, your point is well taken. I mean, what if they're in the anchor match again, Rom and Cantley at the Ryder cup and oh. which would be amazing. Like that, that would, that would factor into my vote too. Like, you know, they like, both got to go number seven. They got to go number seven. That is going to make or break the cups. <laughs> it's funny because the, in, Ever since Brookline, the, the conventional wisdom is you got to front load and you put all your best players at the top, but um, they sort of cancel each other out. And so you, you're right. You get to like, and then everyone saves a couple a couple killers for like 11 and 12 just in case, but like seven through 10 often decide the whole thing because- They decide the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> there is no doubt. And you got to also, you can't sit there and just automatically assume you have to front load. You have to sit there and you have to really analyze who the opposing team's captain is. And you have to think what, you have to try and envision how they would think about things. So it's all fucked up because you got to think you, like there are so many layers to this. And it is it's, it's just amazing. Like I, I, you know, I that being said, it's hard. It's kind of hard to read Patty in my eyes because he has such a got, he has like a resting happy face. It's not that happy. I mean, he's not he's that not, happy. He's not, though. He has such a resting happy face. You sit there and you're just like, the man is an enigma in and of itself. Yeah, no, he's blank. But that those guys are hard. Like, it's funny. Um, my daughter, Abby, who's a basketball player, she's like our best defensive player. And we always put her on um, the other team's top score. And she's just a relentless defender. Then her expression never changes the whole game. And me and the other coaches laugh about it. Like, it's so frustrating to play against someone like that who gives you nothing. You can't tell if they're frustrated. You can't tell if they're tired. You can't tell if they're excited. And, like, Cantley, it's like, it's like that. Like, he's just, he's just, he's just he's sort of unshakable. I would, I would put him out first. I'd put him out 12th. Or I'd put him out 7th. Like, I think he's, he's good anywhere. And, uh, it's he got to go seven. He <laughs> got to go, go seven. It's going to be fun to watch him. Next time we'll delve into the Ryder Cup teams because we'll have all the captains' picks and we can we can look ahead. But um, it's in a strange way, even you know the, the Solheim Cup, as as we were talking about earlier, it wasn't a thrilling finish, but it got me it got me pretty jacked for the Ryder Cup because you know the crowds were into it and the all the emotion from the players and just you know the uniforms, like all of it. It's just a clean look and it's it was a great week and. Uh, it's, it's kind of a preview of what's to come, I think. So, uh, absolutely. I, I will say, and again, this is not, it's going to sound like a dig. I'm doing my best not to make it a dig in my Eve before the first match as well. Or even in some of the team practices, I, I would, I would one, I would have every player hit a shit ton of four and five foot putts after hitting a putt four or five feet by just to build their confidence of knowing you got to get it to the hole because you know what it's going to do on the way back. And I would, um, I would, I would love to, to see maybe some, um, uh, 
um, I don't know if it could be done by way of TPI or, uh, you know, like through uh, uh, swing analysis uh, uh, technology or something. Maybe maybe some of the fist pumps can get a little bit of um, work done on them. <laughs> like like they need to workshop the fist pumps? I, I, I just... <laughs> I never understand when people in general, and it's, trust me, it's for, it's for guys, it's for girls, it's for tennis players, soccer players, football players, um, golfers, whomever. I never understood the idea of punching into the ground. I, I don't think that has as much as when you throw your fist upward to the sky. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't. Get it. Well, my, my biggest pet peeve in life and the Ryder Cup golfers are the worst offenders on the whole planet is when you go in for the high five and they clasp hands. Like, no, it's like a slap. Like, the hands are not supposed to interlock. It's, it's not an embrace. It's like, like you smash hands and you're done. And they grab and they hold and it gets all awkward. Well, at least they don't do the gear shift where one person goes for a fist pump. The other person goes for a high five. You just oh, no, that... clasp the, the, the fist and you just kind of go into shift into third. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to happen. I can't do that. It'll happen at least once at the Ryder Cup. It, I mean, it's, it's a point well taken. They obsess for two years about their, the hemlines of the trousers and the, the gifts for the wives and all this nonsense. You're absolutely right. There should be a whole day devoted to practicing celebrations. And I mean, I, I'm, I might text. I do text love the authenticity of it, though. I will admit that. I, I do love seeing the raw, true, real, dork emotions. <laughs> no, but it's like anything, Christina. You got to embed the fundamentals, all right? You practice and practice. You yeah, get the fundamentals down. Plant. And then in the heat yes. of competition, you just kind of let it go. But at least they're coming yes, from yes. A, a base of practice and they've mastered the exactly techniques. it's like working drills to to get you to get to a certain spot in your swing i i can i can appreciate that and then when it's golf when it's time on the call course you just go but it yeah i just uh that's actually you know, great. I, I, I might i might text you stricker that that's actually the the best idea i've heard in a while please give me credit I, oh obviously please um, give me credit obviously. that being said before we go yes this morning, I would I had gone out. I played a round of golf with my uh, with my lovely mother and father um, over at Orange Tree Golf Club, and I'm proud to say in the last three days, our shot 67, 69, and I shot 64 today with a silly bogey on the 17th hole. So I am very excuse me very excited to get into this little stretch of tournaments that we're coming up on very soon. Oh my God, I didn't even tell you. Um, this will only take, you know, probably 30 minutes knowing me. So <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I had asked you, uh, for us to, to film on Saturday of last week was because on Sunday, my father and I drove up to New Jersey, kind of reminiscent of my pre rookie year where we drove around the entire United States and we hit up like, I don't know if it was like 18 or 28 tour stops or something like that in a month. Um, after rookie orientation in Florida, made our made our way, you know, across, uh, you know, across the the South, made our way, played golf in the snow over at Waikagil Country Club, prepping prepping for the Cy Base Classic, made our way all the way west back to California. So my dad and I went on a little trip where we were going to go up to Mountain Ridge, which is going to host the Cognizant Founders Cup at That's the. In October, and since we were there, I was like, "Screw it! Like, let's go to let's go to Seaview. I fucking love that place. It's one of my favorite tournaments of the year. Full stop." And uh, we get we drive up. It's like it was. It took us like eighteen hours to get up there. I drove 12, 12 hours. My dad drove uh, about six, hmm. um, and we did it in one in one shot. And we play, or I excuse me, I played over at Seaview. Got annihilated by mosquitoes then went over to mountain ridge and had an amazing time um accompanied i was accompanying the uh golf course um president um bob brenner delightful guy we talked all about all kinds of things he was just just an awesome awesome dude it was it wasn't it wasn't quite shitting down on us, but it was, it was a, you know, it was a wet day. And then we were supposed to spend a couple more days up in Jersey to play. And then Ida hit. Bummer. And so we ended up driving down. We, it was a four day trip for two rounds of golf. <laughs> and 
I drove, it took us, obviously because of all of the horrific flooding that had taken place and we were, you know, a, a little bit, we were like probably 30, 40 minutes from Newark and a little bit farther away from the city of New York in and of itself. But, you know, there were tornadoes that I touched down in both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. There was flooding. The golf course at Mountain Ridge, I believe, got, I think it was like 5.6 inches of rain. There was as much as 10 inches of rain in other parts of the state. So the drive took us 19 hours. And I told my dad when we arrived in Jersey, I said, dad, we're going to, on the way home, we're going to stop at a hotel. We're going to spend the night. We're going to do it in two trips. And he was like, okay, yeah, sounds good, whatever. And um, so when we left, we were going to try and originally leave around like three o'clock in the morning, but that was, I mean, no chance. Um, You know, and even at eight o'clock, there was tons, tons of roads were still closed, uh, so we leave around, you know, a little after 1030, close to 11. We go to his Korean market and my dad had purchased for my mother um, ra- encased in this large container of salt water, live abalone. Because we don't get abalone in, hmm. down in Florida. And growing up in the Bay Area, like my dad would, would dive for abalone on his own and, and things like that. And so we're on our way down and... <laughs> It was like, boom, as soon as we hit Baltimore, start of rush hour traffic. And I was like, I, I was like, dad, I'll drive through, you know, the tri-state area. I'll drive us down through, um, you know, up until we get to Virginia or something like that. Maybe we'll switch over, maybe not. And so Baltimore, boom, start of rush hour traffic. Then we go and end up in Washington, D.C., boom, still in rush hour traffic. And I was like, dad, I don't, I don't. I'm I'm a very aggressive California driver, but I I look like the most timid driver in comparison to my dad. And I was like, we don't need to worry about. Yeah, I'll just I'm just gonna keep going. And so it was like from New Jersey, and then we hit. I think we went through Delaware, Maryland, hit the Virginia border. You know, Quantico's a shit show. I'm like, I don't I don't understand how there are so many people on the road. And then we hit North Carolina, and I was like, all right, well. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll switch and, you know, I pull in to get gas somewhere and right, right when we get back on the highway, there's a, a massive accident and I'm like, the sun's already down. I was like, I don't really want my dad having to like break and gas and break and, you know, stop and start, um, you know, just, I don't need that. So I was like, I'll stick around. And then I was like, you know, we get to North Carolina, we go through North Carolina and I'm like, South Carolina. I was like, oh, it's only a hundred. It's only, it's like less than 200 miles to the border. I was like, all right, we'll just keep going. And then there were a couple of like bits of I feel like we're doing this, this drive in real time here. Like we're like, <laughs> we're like ninth hour 19 here on this tour. It's just so you know, it's been a little over four minutes. I'm looking at the timer and long story short, it took us 19 hours to get home. I drove all 19 hours <laughs> and my dad, That's... he offered to drive and I was like, dad, it's okay. I got this. That's I, un- got this. I get it though. When I, I mean, I've done that plenty of times where you're just in the zone and you just, it, it just seems disruptive to change everything up. So you just keep going. I don't, well, and he, he slept for probably 11 of those 19 hours. And, you know, it's like when you're awake and you want to switch, it's easy to, to, to just switch. When someone's like sleeping at their, they reach the end of the REM cycle, then it's like you see them as they wake up. Like, okay, yeah, they're, they're alert. Let's go and switch. It's like he was like just, just, he just dipped his toe into REM sleep every time I pulled over to get gas or hit a rest area and take a lap around, walk around for five, 10 minutes or every single time. You I was slept like, through that? You're, I was like, you're, it's, it's, he's, I let, just get some more rest. It's okay, dad. Like I got this. I mean, and plus he was like, this is really good for you too. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. That's pretty it's heroic. Great. You better play well in New Jersey, man. Like <laughs> after that, that is, that's some serious dedication. I'm impressed. Well, I only got one round in at either place. And, and truth be told, I mean, Atlantic City over at the Seaview Resort, Bay Course, love it there. That's I've a played fun it over a hundred times. I yeah. love that. You hit every shot. Yeah, no, You can have, place. you know, a three, depending, and it's all wind dependent. It's an old Donald Ross design. You could have, you know, you try and smash a three to try and get on the green in two. Some days if the wind is down, you have a nine iron into the par fives or these old tiny little greens. Like it's just, it's just, it's so much fun. And yeah. it's Mountain Ridge um, is, is super pure. That's Donald Ross. Isn't it's, it? it was, oh, yeah, no, it was, it's another Donald Ross. Oh, is it, oh, it's, is a, it Ross? it's a Donald Ross. Yeah. yeah, yeah and no. it's spectacular. I've only played it that once, but it was, it was excellent. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Well, hopefully some of our listeners out there have a very long drive and we're carrying them across 
halfway across South Carolina right now or something similar. But I think we should release them, Christina. I think it's time. Yes. Yes. Let's turn on the light and have them scatter like the cockroaches. You seemingly treat them like they are every time you say release them. I know you say that with love, though. Um, (laughs) And and gratitude that they've stuck around to the bitter end. In this case, very bitter. Very bitter. Oh, my God. This is shorter than one of our longer podcasts. Anyway, that being said, somebody apparently needs to be put down for a nap. So on behalf of everyone at the Fire Pit Collective, I want to say thank you for coming along on this journey. And until next week, thank you for listening to Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck. That was very skillfully done. I I like how you brought it all together. (laughs) All right. That was fun, CK. As always. Bye.